I heard you say in the conversation today, uh, I heard you say about, you know, it's important to learn how to use your intuition uh, and cultivate that. Over and over again, this word consistency came up. And so, you know, what I wrote down is to master something, you need consistency. And, you know, that's a huge takeaway from the discussion today. Mm. I like this idea of slow down to speed up. I feel like I'm in this period in my life right now where I need to slow down uh, a bit. And uh, and as an entrepreneur, the secret sauce is just focusing on solving problems. Great. Thanks for uh, joining us for another episode of Talks with T. Uh, I'm very honored to have Jen Blandos from uh, Female Fusion joining us today. Nice to, to be on the show today. I'm really excited. I'd love uh, for you just to give a brief intro on Female Fusion uh, before we kind of dug in, dig into how it all began. Sure. So um, Female Fusion, we're based in the UAE. We're currently the UAE's largest community for female-owned businesses, but we're going global. So we have a number of international members as well. And what we are is a community to support women in business whether you are just starting out or you've been in business for 20 plus years and you have a seven or eight figure business the whole idea is that we're there to support with networking with resources with an online portal with connections with um, events basically anything yeah. you need to make that business journey easier yeah. amazing i'd love to go through the path and the journey that led you to the founding of Female Fusion. I mean, we, we've we spoken uh, a couple of times now uh, and uh, the journey by no means was a straight line. And so I'd love to kind of just talk the audience through it. Yeah, I mean, it never is, right? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> if, if it was that easy, everyone would do it. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think as well, when I talk to entrepreneurs, a lot of times you never intend on doing what it is that you're doing yeah and you know even for me falling into entrepreneurship i've been an entrepreneur for over 20 years mm. i never thought it was going to be that way you know i, I uh, when i was young i loved living all over the world traveling experiencing different cultures mm. and you know i had been living all over europe and i ended up back in uh, london mm. And I thought, oh, this is going to be so easy. I'm in, you know, finally I'm in a country where English is the first language and I'm not having to learn how to speak different languages. And I couldn't find a job. Mm. I was like, what? But I've got all this international experience. Yeah. Why don't you want to hire me? And back then, so this was 2002, mm. so many years ago. Mm. And back then the feedback I got was, yeah, but you don't have London experience. And oh, I, wow. Right? <laughs> and I was like, but I have experience from all over the world. Yeah. But they were like, yeah, but you need to have connections in London. Mm. And I even had one person say to me, and actually, you know, it's a bit of a problem, your accent, you know, you don't sound British. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm Canadian, I don't sound British. <laughs> um, yeah, so that, it was kind of more like I needed 
I needed money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, it was more out of necessity. Yeah, and I and I find as well with entrepreneurs that sometimes this happens that I was like, okay, I'm good at this, so I set up a um, a PR consulting business because that was my background in mm. PR and communications, and then I had my clients from around the world coming to me and being like, oh, can we work with you? And oh, could you train our staff because we really like you know th- our staff are maybe not as good as what we'd like them to be could you help them be better at PR and comms yeah and so it went from me being a bit desperate to cash to Mm. within about 18 months having a seven-figure business that's amazing having 15 people working for me in central London that's amazing yeah yeah and it was totally unexpected the lack of a British accent ended up not being a problem yeah you know and it's funny because actually even one of the guys one of the companies that didn't hire me came up to me a couple of years later and he said I feel so embarrassed that we didn't hire you I was like no good for me it was and I guess you know at that point I realized that I was always destined to do entrepreneurship. And I remember my dad always said to me as well, my dad was like, you never like to follow the rules. You don't like authority. <laughs> He's like, you're better being an entrepreneur. <laughs> was that at a young young age or just kind of throughout? Oh, throughout my life. Yeah. You know, and it's funny now that I joke with my parents because they are always, um, I was a difficult child. You know, they would say no, I would say yes. They would say no, I would say yes. You know, it was because it was always like, well, what happens if I do this? You know, I was yeah. just always really curious mm. and stubborn um, and very entrepreneurial. And I didn't even really remember that. And I don't know, um, there's a little bit of me that's a little bit woo woo as well. And I've, uh, <laughs> and I think all of us entrepreneurs are a little bit woo woo. You have to cultivate that in the right way to you know absolutely you know it's there and you just have to kind of pull it out and use it in in a way that's going to help and um recently i had my human design done i Uh, don't know if you've ever i i have i have yeah yeah, it's and it's it's amazing it's amazing and it really opened my mind to that so i had asked my mom to get like the exact time of my birth and got this report can, can you give an overview of what human design is yeah. for, for those who don't know? Yeah, so human design is basically taking from the the date, the time, the place of where you were born. Mm. And basically it says that your future, what's going to happen to you, is kind of already mapped out from the time mm. that you're born. Mm. And it sounds super woo-woo, like yeah. especially you know for those of us that are so logical. practical yeah. and logical and... You know, I, and somebody introduced me to this and I was like, well, okay, I'll try it. You know, I'm open-minded to trying things. And it was, I, I don't know if you found this, but it was just so remarkable how like me yeah. it was. Yeah. And I shared it with my mom because I was like, mm, do you agree with this? My mom was like, because it talks to you about different stages of your life. Mm-hmm. So what you were like as a child, you know, early adulthood, taking like different stages of how you should be living your life. Yeah. And my mom said to me, she's like, childhood, bang on. <laughs> <laughs> and it even talks about, you know, you're probably very entrepreneurial and coming up with business ideas. And my mom said to me a while ago, she's like, you were 
always coming up with business ideas and telling me you were going to create this business or, you know, trying to sell this to people in the neighborhood (laughs) or coming up with the business at school. And so I guess it was always within me. And so the human design, I don't know what your human design is, but my human design is that I'm a a projector. Mm. And I, I, I sort of thought, like learning about it, I thought that I was going to be more of a manifester mm. or a generator mm. because mm. I'm always really busy doing things. And a projector is basically the person that shares their wisdom. Mm. And you kind of have to sit and come back. The, the whole idea is that you have this rich knowledge that you share. Yeah. And um, I thought about it and thought, yeah, actually I am. And I need to do more of that. I need to stop being so busy being busy and actually start, you know, projecting more. Yeah, yeah. What it's, are you? It's, I'm a projector as well. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> and um, it's amazing how much inherent knowledge we have yeah. sometimes. And it's sitting in the subconscious or unconscious mind and a simple exercise like that just sucks it up and brings it to your conscious mind yeah. and, and just reiterates doubling down on something you've kind of known in your gut. Yeah. And do you know, this is one thing I found really interesting as an entrepreneur as well, intuition. Mm. And I think when we first started in business, we, we always have intuition, but you always go to your logical brain mm. And what I found, I, I, I had this experience the other week that I was looking back over my, my entrepreneurship career and the times that I had intuition and when I used logic rather than intuition. And every time my intuition was right. And this is one of the things that I'm realizing that I think sometimes as business owners that you have to, to trust that process to trust your intuition and know that that is the person that we are and we have very good judgment and how do you sit with that intuition to be able to hear it to be able to cultivate it it's interesting um it's you know it's more of a practice right because Mm. as i was saying that when i was younger it was always like, well, this this isn't logical. Yeah. It's not logical, so you need to map out your reasons and think about it. But I always found that um, I I often have a sense, you know, and for me it's things like um, chemistry with a person mm-hmm. and connection. And, you know, when you own a business and when you are working with people, that that, that is so essential right? Yeah. That you need to, to work with people that you have good chemistry with mm. and a good connection with, and they have the right attitude. I believe that skills can be taught. Mm. Um, you can train people to do certain things in your business, yeah. but having that mentality or those values or the beliefs that align with yours to yeah. me is very important. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I found I'm not sure if I'm correct or incorrect on this, but one thing I found is how a person spends their day tells you a lot about them. And so in interview questions now, you know, sometimes some candidates are taken aback. I say, cool, 
walk me through what time you wake up, what's the first thing you do when you wake up, and then walk me from that point all the way till you put your head on the pillow. Yeah. And I find that the small things people say about how they think about organizing their day tells you a lot about how they organize themselves, how they organize mm-hmm. their thoughts. Um, and in those cases, I'm willing to take someone who has the discipline, who has who's methodical about how they allocate their mental resources, physical resources, their time. And I'll take that person every day over the person who's has the amazing track record or a ton of experience and lacks those things. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it depends on what they're doing, right? Fair. Like, I guess, because um, I'm a big believer too, that I always have to hire people that are better than me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? 100%. You know, like... In the beginning, when you first mm-hmm. set up your business, there is a bit of the ego. And I see this as well with businesses yeah. when they first start. You know, they think that like people are going to steal their ideas and, you know, like nobody's like them. And then you realize that actually there's a lot of there's a lot of businesses that are mm. similar to you. And so what makes you different? And so mm. for me now, I'm not so I'm not so concerned about that. But with my team, so for me as a person and i think as entrepreneurs as Mm. well that consistency is everything to you know especially if you're going to master something in in your business that you need to be consistent because it takes time to Mm. to learn that like even with running running my business it's very much a digital business and if you would have said to me five years ago that's what i was doing (laughs) I wouldn't have believed it because, you know, it's been a me teaching myself and learning and going out there and trying to get the knowledge to be good at having a digital Mm. business and being consistent because I wanted it. But when I look at my team, I hire, it depends upon what it is because sometimes I need people to be completely different than me. Mm because that's going to get my business to to the next level yeah, as well. Yeah. You, you mentioned something as you were talking about human design that there was, you were stubborn, maybe you were a, a bit difficult as, as a child, but the flip side of that coin was you were curious and it gave you the courage. How do you think about cultivating the latter in children if it's not something that's inherently within them? So I think, I think about this a lot mm. and I've had these conversations with with my parents mm. as well because I'm also a mother. I have mm. two kids. I have a boy who's in university. He's 19, almost 20, and I have a girl who's 14. Mm. So you learn a lot about yourself and you reflect about your childhood and then also seeing how your kids were because I was told no a lot. Mm. Um I was told to stop thinking so big. Mm. I was told to not be so ambitious Mm. um, and kind of fit in. Mm. And I realize, um, and looking at both of my kids, so both of my kids are neurodiverse. Mm. My son um, has autism spectrum Mm. disorder and my daughter has ADHD and Mm. dyslexia dyscalculia. Mm. (laughs) And I look at them and I think, they're so amazing because they look at the world in a different way mm. and there's nothing there, there's there's nothing wrong with with being like that because these are the people that are the geniuses yeah right and yeah. you look even as well I was reading something the other day that like 
they were saying that a lot of entrepreneurs have, you know, they're on the autism spectrum mm. disorder or, you know, they've got ADHD or dyslexia, that there's something there that makes you a bit different. Yeah. And I think that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, having a different perspective, being different in a world that's so crowded uh, mm. and there's everyone's trying to be the same to a certain extent is definitely definitely meaningful and so uh, I guess from your perspective if I'm listening and, and I kind of think to myself that I'm not inherently curious or I'm not in, inherently courageous I, I think a lot of people uh, and I, myself included at times can go through negative self-talk uh, and it sounds like that was kind of thrown at you from a young age but I, just kind of hearing your story you you kind of put it to the side and kept moving forward and so for people who have that self-doubt at times what have you found that helps cultivate that courage to to press on i think it helps to to always be curious and mm. to always ask questions but I understand, you know, we all go through phases where Mm. we question our abilities or if we are doing the right thing. And sometimes I find that it helps to kind of slow down, to speed up a Mm. little bit Mm. um, and to give yourself a bit of that self-care because sometimes our minds can be so busy you know, with so many things, whether it's work, whether it's personal um, that it makes it very difficult to to have that. But then on the other hand as well, I see, because I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs clearly because of what I do, and I hear a lot of times from them, you know, there there's a lot of self-doubt, there's a lot of, I don't know if I can do this, I don't know if I made the right decision, maybe I should take a job. And, you know, I love being an entrepreneur. Mm. I wouldn't want to have it any other way um but entrepreneurship isn't for everyone yeah and that's totally cool (laughs) yeah 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 it's not there's no right or wrong no and you know for some people you know i have friends who have like the most amazing careers and the most amazing lives being an employee and that totally works for them and they're Mm. super happy Mm. and i think it's just finding the thing that that makes you happy whether it's it's running a business whether it's working for somebody else whether it's freelancing um we're all sort of on on our own journey but i think um not giving into that negative self-talk and self-doubt and one of the things i say to to our businesses a lot of times and even to myself sometimes is you have to stand in your power Mm. and you have to know that you have a gift that you're sharing with the world Mm. whatever it is Mm. all of us have gifts in one way or another and it's unlocking that gift that that we can share Mm. yeah one thing you know last year on a professional level was quite quite tough for me and one thing i found was it's easier said than done but when that negative thought comes in just started i started this practice saying thank you Mm. please go and i would just wouldn't 
entertain that thought because what I found was the more I interacted with it, the deeper yeah. I went down that negative thought hole. Yeah. And so just acknowledging its existence and then saying, I'm not really going to entertain, entertain you was, was, you know, uh, something that really helped me a lot. And we all have millions of thoughts going through our mind uh, every day. And I found that I had the choice on which ones I would entertain and which ones I just say, thank you, you, please pass by. Yeah, that's really um, insightful. And and I like that. Um, I'm going to have to try that. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you know, and actually what was, what was kind of sick was I found that I was addicted to the thought because I I'd, I'd noticed in my head saying, actually, just just let me think about that for a second. So my I, I noticed that there was a part of me that wanted to entertain debating with that thought, interacting with that thought. And I have to be like, nope, it's a zero policy. Yeah. Uh, because even if I gave it a, a little bit of string, it would take the whole rope. And yeah. And so that was super helpful for me um, when I kind of hit rock bottom in terms of my positivity uh, last year. And, uh, you know, credit to my therapist. He's the one who gave me that that insight. And it was definitely life changing. We all need a good therapist. Yeah, right? I'm all for it. <laughs> you know, it's funny because especially in the Middle East, um, uh, you know, the first time I want, decided I was going to see a therapist maybe seven or eight years ago, uh, my mom was worried that there was something wrong. My mom said, are you okay? I said, yeah, why? She's like, did I do something wrong? I said, why? She's like, why are you going to go see a therapist? I said, we should all be seeing therapists. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what's funny? I, I didn't see a therapist. I never saw one yeah. up until about eight years ago. Okay. Um, yeah, it was about eight years ago. And I went through the most horrific divorce mm. and it was at that point that I realized I I wasn't okay mm. and then it was at that point that I realized I should have seen a therapist a lot earlier because a few years before that I had had breast cancer as well mm. and I didn't deal with that yeah. and I realized that when I went to see a therapist that there were all of these things that were kind of holding me back in business holding me back in life that I needed to to deal with so that mm. was really powerful and you know my therapist was was great and then in the end she said to me because I just loved going to therapy like <laughs> <laughs> you know it was you like it was in. really good yeah. I went of course yeah. you know I'm like high achieving right yeah. it's like go big or go home yeah. and then in the end my therapist was like Jen you don't need me anymore <laughs> she's like if you want to meet for a glass of wine she's like no problem yeah. she's like therapist's office she's like you're good <laughs> she's like i have a waiting list you're out <laughs> that's so good and um you know you you uh, mentioned briefly that you you survived breast cancer i'd kind of love to know where you were in your professional career, where you're in personal life at that moment, just to set the context. Yeah. So, okay. So, so I've been a entrepreneur since, so I set up my first business in 2003. 
Um, I moved to the UAE in 2009. Initially came for a year. Mm. I had a, a really beautiful contract with the, the government here. Mm. And so the government said to me, well, you're not having the contract unless you set up a business here. So yeah. they're like, you have to come for a year, train your team. Then if you want to go back to London, go back mm. to London. That was 2009. I am still in the UAE. That's amazing. <laughs> you know, like all of us, like I just, I fell in love with, with the country. And, you know, again, I'm all in. This yeah. this is my home. This yeah. is nowhere else do I do I want to live. Um, so I had a, a business in um, two, 2012. Um, I remember, I clearly remember all of this because I was in Saudi Arabia on a business trip and I had had like I had had this weird lump and I thought it's nothing you know and it was really painful as well mm. and I thought oh, it's nothing and it was like got more and more painful and so I went to the doctor and the doctor said to me, she's like you're 38 years old it's nothing don't worry about it but you know let's get it checked out just in case so I went totally you know chill no problem I'm gonna have a scan it's fine I can go back to work so I had the scan went back to work I think I was in the office for maybe about 10 minutes and I got a phone call from the head of the clinic saying, you need to come back. Um, she's like, there's something wrong with your pictures. You need to come back. We need to do more. Mm -hmm. So I was still like super chilled out, you know, no problem, fine, whatever, had it done. The head of the clinic came and met with me and she said, I don't like what I see. You need to go see your doctor within the, 20, the next 24 hours and I want you to go see a surgeon in the hospital. And then at that point, I was, I think within about 10 days, I had had an operation. I had been diagnosed with breast cancer. And then I, so I didn't have to have chemotherapy because the, when they took the tumor out, the margins were clear. But then they said, but you need to have 35 days of radiotherapy. Mm. And so to me, it was at the time, I didn't deal with it very well because my kids were really young. Um, I think my daughter was maybe two or three at the time and my son was a bit older and had just been diagnosed with ADHD. Mm. So my kids weren't easy. Life wasn't easy. Um, I was married to somebody who wasn't particularly helpful. So mm. I was taking my kids to school, going and doing radiotherapy, going to the office. And that was basically like on repeat for six weeks. I didn't take a break, just kept doing it. Mm. And I didn't even realize, and you know how I said after I did therapy, when I went through my divorce, that it was like then that I realized, like, what are you doing? Mm. You know, and I realized too that I was going to give myself cancer again if I didn't change my my mindset and my mentality towards like my health, my well-being, work, stress, everything. Um, so that was that was a pretty big wake up call for me. I mean, honestly, truly inspiring uh, hearing you kind of talk about that experience. Uh, there's probably a lot to unpack there. And so I'd like to understand in retrospect, what did you learn about yourself kind of going through that experience, clearly juggling, you know, family potentially a life-threatening condition and then you know you have this whole other business 
I mean, so, so much, right? Mm. Um, I mean, the first thing, and I talk about this, so, um, you know, every October I get asked to speak at every breast cancer. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's a whole other thing. But the one, you know, the one thing that I say to people, and I think as entrepreneurs, we're probably guiltier than anybody else, Mm. is that we never put ourselves first. And, you know, and I think sometimes women, we can be even worse than this because a lot of times, you know, whether you're a mother or not, we just tend to have this nurturing side of ourselves that I'm always caring about other people and I'm always like bottom of the list. Mm. And, you know, I, I put my business first. I put my kids first, my friends, my family, everybody but me. Mm. Um And it really made me realize that if I'm not well, if I'm not here, all of this falls Mm. apart. Mm. And I kind of felt that that was maybe the universe's way of saying to me, you need to sort this out and you need to change the way that things happen. And I, as I get older, I'm almost 50, that um, I look back at my life and I see all of the even like some of the really horrible things that were just so painful at the time, whether it was in business or whether it was in life, I look back at it and go, what did I learn from this? And Mm. what did I need to learn to change my life? Mm. And, you know, big things like cancer, not taking care of myself, working too much, not eating well, I used to drink like 10 Diet Cokes in a day. Like, who does that, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> don't do that anymore. But all of those sorts of things. And I really um, said, you know, I need to make fitness a priority for myself. But then, you know, the pandemic happened. Mm. And I found the pandemic really difficult. Um and I look back on it now and I'm like, why? You know, this like you should have had the time of your life. But I found when the pandemic happened that I went from, you know, making myself a priority, going to the gym, exercising, like having sports, going on lots of holidays, doing everything in moderation, to all of a sudden like being obsessed with work. Mm. And I went through like a three year period and it's only been like the past few yeah. months where I've been like you can slow down like what mm. are you what are you doing mm. <laughs> and you know that that was a little bit that that was a little bit hard because I had one business um that I had for 18 years and I walked away from that mm. business um and the reason why I did is my business partner was my ex-husband and you know, I'm not going to go into detail on all of that, but I realized in the pandemic, I don't want to work with my ex-husband every day. Mm. Like, who does, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can completely understand your perspective. Yeah, and you know, I, and so I was like, okay, I'm just, you know, I just walked away from it. Mm. I just walked away, um, and that's kind of where female fusion came from as well as female fusion was a facebook group and it was set up by someone else actually in 2015 and it was originally um the woman who set it up had lived in the uk 
long time. She lived in Dubai years ago, like in 2010, and had set up the Facebook group just as a way to like connect with yeah. with friends. And it had kind of grown and grown and grown. And so she approached me in the pandemic and said, well, you're not doing anything else right now. <laughs> Do you want to help me monetize this and turn it into a business? Because yeah. what I was seeing was happening in the pandemic is there was so many people lost either mm. people who had businesses who um were really unsure about how to collect payment how to generate business how to run their business and then other people who were kind of like me back in 2002 didn't have a job needed to do something and were like well i can't find a job so i might as well set something up myself and needed that support so I took that Facebook group and turned it into a business. Mm. And the idea was that it would be a community and you would pay a membership fee for the the community. And it would mainly be online, especially during the pandemic mm. that online made more sense. And then we would do some face-to-face meetups. Mm. So that's how it started. When it launched, we had about 100 people join. Um, and it was great. You know, it was kind of like, Ah, cool you know this is something kind of different um and then after about running it with the woman who set up the facebook group we realized that you know you can't run it with somebody who's living in a a different country because so much is needed Mm. here Mm. so um we split ways and so i i own the the business and we're we're a um professional association Um, And we went from in the one thing I'm really proud of. So at the beginning of 2022, we had 168 members. And at the end of 2022, we ended with pretty much a thousand members. So I 5x the business, the revenue, the members. Um, So that was that was pretty cool. So from a business operations perspective, learned a lot. Mm worked too much worked mm. too hard um i'm not perfect <laughs> none of us are none of us are um but you know slowly taking my foot off of the the gas pedal a bit because you know as we've scaled i've been able to hire a much bigger team so i have a um a full-time team of five that nice. supports me now as well which is great nice. and i'd love to hear a little bit more about some of the strategies and tactics you use to yeah. 5x your membership sure um yeah i mean this is it, every business is different but um the the th- and i get asked this a lot actually by my members they're like how did you do it how can i do it in my business yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i i think probably one of the biggest things is consistency Mm. especially when you have a membership and you have people who pay you money every single month they want to know that they're getting value for their money Mm. so i made a habit very early on in 2022 that you're going to know exactly what it is that we offer you're going to have consistent communication from us so for example things like Every Monday morning, 8 a.m., come rain or shine, there's an email. Mm. 
Mm. There is, you know, a consistent number of events. There is consistent content which is in the portals. So that consistency was was really huge. Mm. Um, the other thing as well, I think, was that I really focused on where the problems are, right? So for for female entrepreneurs, um, I mean, I, I'm not, uh, I don't like using the term female empowerment. Mm. It just, to me, it feels really icky because yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm already empowered. Yeah. But, you know, we do have a problem that women are still not getting access to the same opportunities as guys. Mm. It's fact. Mm. You know, even in um, the GCC region in the summer, female-owned businesses got 0.1% of funding in the summer. Mm. You know, like yeah. there's there, there's something that's broken. Yeah. So one of the things that I've started really championing um and I think as well that this has really helped us as a business is looking at where the problems are and how we can fix it. So how can we help women get access to funding? Well, we need to help educate businesses to understand how your business needs to be set up and run to be able to get funding. But then also we need to connect you and introduce you to investors. So we're doing a lot of work around that. Mm. We're doing a lot of work also as well on procurement and helping connect our businesses to other businesses that will buy from them. Because again, women-owned businesses are getting 2 to 3% mm-hmm. of funding mm-hmm. or of uh, procurement opportunities. Yeah. So they're not getting access to those sorts of things. Other problems that they had, things like um, shipping and courier fees, like businesses were struggling to run because it was so expensive. Mm. So I went to Aramex, went to quite a few of the courier companies, but I found that Aramex was the most supportive and Aramex has given our members 45% discount. Nice. And I said to Aramex, I said, we better have a better price than what you give to the government. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I don't want to hear that anybody has a cheaper price than us. Because, you know, these are the, like... You give support to businesses like that, and mm. it, it it's good for the economy. It, it, it has so many positive effects. Um, I went to Stripe, which is one of the main payment gateways mm. that they use, and Stripe has given all of our members the first 100,000 dirhams that they spend with Stripe. There's no fees. Mm. It's like 4,000 dirhams in their pockets right mm. there mm. if they, they use that. So really getting clear on that offering meant that you know people were seeing that and going you solve a problem i Mm. want to be part of that so you're solving a problem um other things as well was you know like we were properly bootstrapping we still are right Mm. you know i've i've taken no financing the only financing that's gone into female fusion has been my my savings Mm. and so we've also i'm big on technology like systems automations if I can automate it and find a way to do it. So we really created like really good systems. So something that would maybe take a week to do, I can get it done in an hour because I found a way that tech will go and solve that. Mm. Um, So that has been quite a good thing. And then also as well, building relationships with organizations that align with the same thing that we do and supporting our values and 
sharing that information. So we have we have a lot of support from from a lot of organizations. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of different things that I've yeah. I've done, but it's yeah, what a year, and yeah. we're we're growing a lot. That's amazing. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, you you have thirty thousand members, non-paying members as well as part of the community. Yeah, so mm. we have a thousand paying members. Mm. Um, the way that we operate is we make our membership available twice a year. And the reason for that is before we had it that you could join anytime. And it was just so much for my team because there's so many things that you get as being part of a member, even things as well like um, media opportunities. We have a lot of great relationships with um, a number of different journalists and publications. And oftentimes that they'll come to us and say, look, here's a list of five spokespeople that we need on these topics. Who would you recommend? Who would you put forward? So even as well, like the value for these small businesses, they don't have they don't have budget for a PR agency. So we're kind of helping to support them getting press coverage, which is quite cool. And so many of our members have gotten press coverage as well. It's amazing. And and how do you as an entrepreneur, how do you focus on first, how do you identify the problems? And then the second is how do you decide which ones to prioritize and focus on from the laundry list of problems? Yeah, well, that's the entrepreneur's problem, isn't it? Yeah, it <laughs> is. So many ideas. And it's become a bit of a joke in the business. So we use um, project management is super important when mm. you're running, especially a business like ours, that you need to be on top of everything and you need to be very clear who's doing what Mm. so we use a project management system called monday.com because we love the automations on it and it works with with everything and the team have created a monday board for me which is it's called jen's ideas and it has a little (laughs) squirrel next to it (laughs) so you know like it's like a big list of things that i want to do and you know i say this to our to our members as well because as entrepreneurs we want to do everything right Mm. but that can kill your business and this is where so i've been very careful to not to dilute what we do Mm. so i've had organizations come to me and say but could you offer this could you add this could you add that we could but then if i look at it it takes away from what our focus has to be in our core so i'm very careful about that and then any new thing that we offer it needs to bring value to our members but it also needs to contribute to the bottom line of mm. the business because mm. we have to be we have to be profitable yeah. at the end of the day mm. you know there's the we've been going for well I've been running the business myself for about 14 months now and we need to we need to deliver a serious profit because yeah. you know I'm not in business for charity like (laughs) (laughs) it needs to make it needs to make a profit so I look at everything very carefully and it's like nope that is not going to deliver enough profit to the business Mm. so focus on the key things Um, so one of the things that we're adding this year is international membership because we get contacted all the time can you know can you be in this country or that country or can i join Mm. and we do have women from around the world who are part of our community Mm. but i want to have the memberships we have uae membership and we have international membership Mm. and 
the cool thing about that is that it will give people in the UAE access to other markets mm. and other people who might buy from them or who they can source from um, or maybe even who they can have support with if they go to a different country. Mm. But then also people in other countries get introduced to everyone around the world and maybe even want to set up a business here. Mm. So um, that's that's our big thing that we're we're focusing on this year. So I don't want to dilute anything from what we do with our members, mm. but to be able to grow an international membership so that adds value to everybody. Yeah. And in, in terms of a membership business, how do you identify or experiment with pricing uh, in terms mm. of what's the right price point to make sure that from a revenue perspective, you're maximizing that? Yeah, that's that's a really good question because the the thing about memberships is that it can be anything you want it to be, right? Mm, mm. And you need to look at the value of that. So initially, when you start out with a membership business, you need to start out with the founding member rate because you're you're unproven, right? So your founding member rate is normally something which is just going to cover your costs. Yeah. So Female Fusion had a founding member rate for about 18 months. Mm. And I took the decision in May 2022. I was like, price needs to go up. Needs to go up. So I doubled the price of membership. And we doubled the price of membership. And so many people said to me, they're like, you're crazy. Nobody's going to buy your membership. How are you, you know? And it wasn't even expensive, right? Yeah. You know, we're talking like... I increased the price from like $42, like 158 dirhams up to like $85. It wasn't even like 300 dirhams. It wasn't even yeah. a lot. Um, and we now have more people paying the increased price than we do the founding member rate mm. because everybody sees the value that's, that's offered. Mm. Now, the price of the membership is still way too low for you know everything that that people get access to and if you benchmark it internationally and look at international membership organizations mm. and what they're offering we're probably like one quarter at the price of what's being charged mm. internationally so the prices the the price is going up and you remember how i said you know it's where we need to stand in our power yeah. right and in the beginning, I wasn't as confident with that. Where I was like, oh, who's going to buy my membership? And now I look at it like what we have is amazing. Mm. And, you know, of course we have to charge for it. I have a full-time team of five. I yeah. have like three part-time people. I have, you know, all of that support. You have to pay for it. Yeah. You know, like it, it's, I, and I've come to the point when you stand in your power it's also recognizing when people say to you things like it's too expensive or how can you charge that for startups or you're not helping female entrepreneurs that's where you stand in your power and go yeah but like the return on investment is huge if you can pay to go out for brunch or if you can go buy that expensive pair of shoes why aren't you investing in your business yeah yeah so and I think for entrepreneurs, especially in the early days, there's a high correlation between what we charge and what we price our product at. Mm -hmm. 
and our confidence in our, totally. in our capability and in our business. And yeah. so as the confidence goes up, so does our conviction that that the price point can can increase as well and i think it's one of the biggest mistakes i see early entrepreneurs make i mean i've i've done it right? I've, I've done it and you know the, i think one of the best pieces of advice i got was um i read this somewhere it's double your price and then see what happens and then double your price and see what happens and keep doubling your price until someone laughs you out of the room then you know you've You've gone, hit the right price. You, 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 you've gone maybe one step too far, but yeah. you could just take a, a small step back from that from that point. So, and it, it's interesting actually because our um, so in my previous business, mm. I had no problems being the most expensive on mm. the market mm. because I knew I had the best product, and I was like, "Look, if you don't want to work with me, that's fine. You'll come back in six months because you won't find better." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was kind of my my mentality but I guess where the only thing about a membership association Mm. is that I care deeply about every single one of our members Mm. and you know this is the thing that I love about my team as well and we say like everybody wakes up in the morning to go to work with the belief of like how can we help somebody today how can we like make a difference either to somebody's business or change the environment and so where I feel in my you know in my other business where I was dealing with corporates and government and I would no problem there's always like the little part of me where it's like oh I don't know if I want to charge more because I want to help and I'm coming from a place of service but then this is where I have to have the talk with myself and say Yes, but you're not a charity, yeah, right? You, yeah. you you have an office, you have team, you have like mm. all these responsibilities. Plus, you have two kids yeah. and a mortgage and, yeah. you know, everything else that I, I've come to to the the belief now that it's if if you think we're too expensive, I'm, I'm sorry, yeah. you know, or maybe we're not the right organization for you right now. Mm. Um so it will become much more aspirational. So we're, the doors to our membership are opening at the end of February. Yeah. Um, and then after that, the price is actually tripling. <laughs> it's nice. not <laughs> It's tripling. And it, it's tripling because I've realized that just the, the pure value yeah. of what we are offering is immense. Yeah. And my my members who have been in the community for a while who get that have even said to me they're like jen <laughs> put up your price yeah 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 i think for us in in our business at bezat there was a light bulb moment where somebody said uh, it was like a week where two three customers said i can't believe this is all i'm paying for this and i was like right. whoa okay yeah. i mean i need to wake up and stand in my power as as, yeah. as you said and I mean, Jen, there's a, there's a couple of things I heard you say in the conversation today. Uh, I heard you say about, you know, it's important to learn how to use your intuition uh, and cultivate that. Over and over again, this word consistency came up. And so, you know, what I wrote down is to master something, you need consistency. And, you know, that's a huge takeaway from the discussion today. Mm. I like this idea of slow down to speed up. I feel like I'm in this 
period in my life right now where I need to slow down uh, a bit. And, uh, and as an entrepreneur, the secret sauce is just focusing on solving problems. And uh, it's been a pleasure chatting with you today. I appreciate you sharing your thoughts, you being open uh, and for your time. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Jen. Have a good one. You too.